0: you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com. Code staple two zero. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? go to shopify.com/try now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com/try
1: the following podcast is a production of the factual data creations facility Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, Episode 157, which I'm calling, Adventures in Old Blighty. Tech News. Hear that? That's the sound of crickets, which reflects the state of the news in the tech industry this week. I don't know if it's because all the interns who do most of the work at these companies are on spring break, or the recent crash of Silicon Valley Bank has put a halt on new releases. But it's been eerily quiet in the tech space this week. I've done what was necessary to dig up the few morsels I can find that I think would be of interest to you. Baidu, the communist Chinese answer to Google and largest government-sanctioned search engine, has introduced its answer to Microsoft's ChatGPT. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing ErnieBot, or at least a pre-recorded presentation of it. That's right. There were no live demonstrations of this product at the introduction. Baidu CEO Robin Lee disclosed that some 650 companies have signed up to use ErnieBot. I couldn't find a list of what companies have signed up, though. My guess is the list is made up primarily of Chinese companies and those of the communist giant's of vassal economies. ERNIE stands for Enhanced Representation of Knowledge Integration. I guess you can say, to borrow a phrase from the Chinese Communist Party, ERNIE is a chatbot with Chinese characteristics. Those characteristics are primarily the Communist Party's characteristics not to general Chinese publics. Which brings us to the problem Chinese tech companies have bringing products such as AI bots to the public. Not only do they have to invest in research, design, and create products such as Ernie, they also have to submit the product for scrutiny to the government, which I'm sure censors out the parts they deem subversive. I'm sure the kindness also makes suggestions on things to add to it. For example, there are already reports that Ernie and other Chinese-created AI chatbots Will not be allowed to discuss internal politics, but will allow a mostly negative take on other forms of governments. These reports are mostly coming from Hong Kong based journalists. In my opinion, the good news of these government induced restrictions is that they stifle innovation within the Chinese tech industry. If these companies were unshackled, they would probably be far ahead of their Western counterparts. Why? Because they invest a lot more money in research and development than us in the West currently do. Investors weren't impressed with Baidu's presentation as the company's stocks fell 10% right after the event was over. This story comes from the saber-rattling department. The Biden administration has demanded that ByteDance, the communist Chinese company that owns TikTok, divest its ownership or the app will be banned within the United States. This latest threat to ban the app comes from the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, Cepheus for short. I've previously shared my opinion on this. I believe most of these calls for banning TikTok is because it's become so popular. It's so popular that it's siphoning off the majority of advertisement revenue from domestic companies, which decreases the bottom line. Meaning it's all about the money. A minor part of all this is the communist government's access to U.S. users' data. Wait a minute. I'm having a spill of deja vu here. Didn't we have an attempt to force ByteDance to divest its ownership in TikTok a couple of years back with Microsoft and Oracle being involved? At the time, such a demand for divestiture was labeled xenophobic, so the whole thing was dropped. I wonder why that was. Hmm.
0: I beat China all the time.
1: Update. What might be the death knell for TikTok? It's being reported that the U.S. Department of Justice has launched an investigation of the social media platform's parent company. The investigation concerns the spying by four former ByteDance employees on two U.S.-based journalists last year. ByteDance has admitted that the incident happened and fired the employees deemed responsible last December. Journalists in the UK were also targeted. All the journalists were covering ByteDance and the former employees were tracking their location to see if they were meeting with employees of ByteDance. All I can say is that it's a good thing ByteDance has a large treasury because they'll need it. Once the federal government sinks its teeth into you or your corporation, the results are rarely favorable for the defendant. The best outcome would be a substantial monetary fine. Being that Bydance admitted that these now-fired employees did in fact commit this act, this will have the effect of fueling the demands for TikTok's banning in this country. Other Western nations will probably soon follow. Third largest mobile phone carrier, T-Mobile, announced that it is buying MVNO carrier Mint Mobile for $1.35 billion. It's a lot of money. Mint already uses T-Mobile's network to provide its service to customers, so the transition should be seamless. I guess current Mint employees can look forward to being laid off once the purchase is complete. Images and videos of Google's upcoming Pixel 8 Pro and budget Pixel 7a phones have leaked online this week, ahead of the company's annual I.O. conference where new phones are traditionally announced. Photos of the the top-of-the-line Pixel 8 Pro reveal a striking resemblance to the Pixel 7 Pro, which was released last year. The obvious differences were a redesigned camera bar, which now aligns all three cameras and has an extra sensor on board. (sighs) Meanwhile, the video of the lower-end Pixel 7a looks similar to last year's Pixel 7 non-Pro edition. Google appears to have taken a page from rival Apple and reusing older hardware designs for new hardware releases. Previously, I'd stated that Google products are never a surprise because most, if not all, of the details of them usually leak before the company gets a chance to announce them officially. That's why I'm wondering about Google's upcoming Pixel Tablet, which, as far as I know, hasn't been leaked. So far, anyway. Like Apple's recent iPhone releases, apparently only the cameras are getting the bulk of the upgrades. I guess that's just another sign of a mature product category. (sighs) Not to be left out, Republic of Korea's tech powerhouse, Samsung, is rumored to be refreshing the company's rival to Apple's AirTag, the Galaxy SmartTag. This, the AirTag, and its rival products are a category I have no need or interest in. Previously, I've said the same about iPads and Apple TV streaming boxes, only to change my mind and succumb to these products, and not only buying them, but also enjoying using them. Well, the AirTag wasn't one of those kind of products. Many would probably disagree with this, but I rarely misplace things, and I, I don't want to spy on anyone or their possessions. That's what Apple AirTags, Tile, and the incoming Samsung version seem to be designed for. Now, I did consider buying the AirTags, but no matter how creative I got in attempting to justify a purchase of them, in the end, I just couldn't do it. Samsung's revamped Galaxy SmartTags are expected to hit store shelves in the third quarter of this year, just in time for the holiday gift-giving season. Uh-oh. An article from BusinessInsider.com citing a survey from Gartner, is claiming that Gen Z is not enamored with foldable smartphones. While the younger generation thinks that foldable screens are cool, they have no intent on adopting that form factor. The high price of foldable smartphones is probably another reason that deters them from adopting foldable phones. And Gen Z aren't the only ones that are, as the article states, not feeling the vibe of these types of phones. The latest Samsung Galaxy Z Fold will set you back about $2,000 if you're considering buying one. My lovely wife would like a foldable smartphone, but she's an outlier in my immediate family, which includes boomers, millennials, and Gen Z members. None but her have expressed an interest in one of these things. Being a recently retired old fart, I can't afford nor justify the cash outlay it would take to buy a foldable smartphone. What do you think? Would you buy a foldable, even if it was an iPhone? (music) Tech I'm using. My Aura smart ring is billed as primarily a sleep tracking mechanism. It works so well that Apple basically stole its software user interface for the Apple Watch. In the past, the Aura ring was spot on with sleep tracking. After the latest firmware update, the ability of the ring to track naps has been hit or miss, mostly miss. Since my recent retirement, I've been going to sleep a lot later than I had been when gainfully employed, and I'm also taking more naps than I previously did. If I take four naps per week, I'm lucky if the Aura Ring tracks one of them, and that usually doesn't appear until the following day. This deficiency joins the, at least in my case, the ability to warn of impending bouts of sickness. My older generations of the Aura Ring had no problems tracking naps or warning me that I was about to become ill. What I think the problem is here is that the company has packed one too many sensors into the latest version of the ring, which has affected these things. On the bright side, my replacement ring has outstanding battery life and Aura's customer service experience is second to none. A couple of years ago, I purchased a cell phone stand after seeing a coworker using one at work. My lovely wife thought it was stupid, but wound up being the main user of the thing, using it for taking video calls from relatives while she was doing other things, or she just didn't want to have to hold the phone during long-duration calls. In other words, she co-opted my stand. I purchased another one, which I used for propping my phone up in order to monitor the software that came with my high-tech electric toothbrush which shows the progress of the deed. I also use the stand while showering to listen to podcasts, and no, I don't have my phone in the shower with me. (laughs) Well, I like the stand so much that I bought two foldable versions, one for me and one for my wife. She uses it when traveling to visit relatives. The stand folds down flat, making it convenient for carrying in her purse. If I ever do travel, I'll just throw mine into a small bag. The best brand for these stands, I find, is from a company called Lamicall. That's L-A-M-I-C-A-L-L. They're available from Amazon. While not the cheapest brand you can buy, I find them to be the best designed and constructed. And finally, for the tech I'm using section... I've been using the ChatGPT version of Microsoft's Bing search engine for a few weeks now. Wow. Let's just say the experience has left me eh, underwhelmed. What? Maybe I'm just set in my ways, but I find it easier and faster to just type in my search query rather than talking to an inanimate object. Plus, I prefer the layout of the results generated from my queries using the now old fashioned way of using an internet search engine. You know, just Maybe I just don't get it. Entertainment news. My son and I have lately started having a weekly movie night. What we do is, you know, we just rent a movie we both agree we would like to watch. Well, unfortunately, this only lasted a couple of weeks because there's just not anything worth renting. This just shows you how bad new releases are these days. Now, a while back, I told you about a television series called Gangs of London that I watched on Amazon's Prime Video Service. After I had finished watching the entire first season, I was excited to see that a second season was available. I watched the first episode of that second season and then took a break from the show for a few days. When I returned to the show for episode two, I discovered it was now behind a paywall. It seems that Prime had the rights to stream Gangs of London, but lost them to AMC+. Plus. It would have cost me $9 per month to continue to watch the show. Well, this past Monday, I saw that AMC Plus had a seven-day free trial subscription offer, which I took advantage of. I binge-watched all the seven remaining episodes of the second season in three days and then canceled that subscription, thus avoiding having to pay that $9 per month fee. Now I just have to figure out a way to watch the third season of the show without having to lay out any money when it starts next December. The one and only show I currently watch on Apple TV Plus is Truth Be Told. It's in its third season now. I still enjoy watching it, but Wokeness seems to be taking over the scripts more and more with each episode. Is this really necessary? As I said last episode, I just want to be entertained, not lectured. Is this too much to ask? I hope that the upcoming season two of the science fiction show foundation doesn't suffer from this plague that seems to be infecting just about all sources of entertainment these days. Now, here's a question for you. Did you watch this year's Oscars? No. No. Yeah, neither did I. The annual Hollywood Awards ceremony's viewership has tanked too. i I'm seeing, You know, maybe if that California bubble started producing movies worth watching again, the audience numbers would pick up. In my opinion, neither will happen for the foreseeable future. The present day Oscar award ceremony isn't really about us peasants anyway, if they ever were. It's for the Hollywood elite where they meet every year to honor themselves. With the internet and social media, there's no mystique surrounding actors these days. I believe most people see them for who they really are, which is mostly narcissistic empty vassals who have to be told what to say by scripts and have no real defining personality of their own. Now, I can say that because I've met a bunch of them while working for Customs and Border Protection, and I witnessed that firsthand.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission?
1: According to media monitoring firm Edison Research, podcast listening has hit an all-time high as of February of this year. I think with most, if not all, of the pandemic Giant. restrictions being lifted, this was bound to happen, and the pulling, or in some cases, forcing of workers back into the office. Many more people are listening to podcasts during their daily commutes to and from work these days, and at least that's what I did when I worked, this show experienced a jump in audience numbers last month, but so far this month, it has leveled off. Continuing with Edison Research, the firm lists Welcome to Night Vale as the number one show in the fiction category. I listened to an episode of this show a while back, but I could say I wasn't impressed. After seeing this ranking... I gave a listen to its latest episode and still wasn't impressed. Maybe I'm just too old to get it. I find it neither funny nor scary. Some years ago, I remember watching a short video concerning the making of the podcast and was amazed at one of the members of the cast recording his part in a cramped closet using, of all things, a Blue Yeti microphone. Just goes to show you that content is king. I wonder if that cast member still records that way now that the podcast has hit the big time. Well, I almost did it. I almost bought myself an Electro-Voice RE-20 microphone. I've always wanted to get myself one. Rush Limbaugh, love him or hate him, I'm neutral, used to rock a beautiful custom-made gold-plated RE-20 I bet you that particular mic is worth some serious cash since his death. When poor Mr. Limbaugh's descendants finish blowing through the fortune he amassed, I'd wager that thing will be up for sale. (laughs) The only thing in the past that stopped me from snagging one of these bad boys was the horrible grayish-green color they came in. Well, last year, Electro Voice released the RE-20 in basic black, and I've been drooling over one ever since. I was just about to pull the trigger and plop down my hard-earned cash for one, but decided to fire up the Tube of You, YouTube, that is, and watch some reviews and comparisons. Mainly comparisons with what I use now, which is the much less expensive RE320. I wore headphones while watching these videos, which goes to show you how serious I was about buying one of these iconic microphones. Well, to my tired old ears... There isn't much difference in sound between the RE-20 and the RE-320. What difference there was wasn't worth the over $200 price difference anyway. I'm sticking with my old tried and true RE-320 for now. Hmm, I do have one of those landmark birthdays coming up next year though. Take the following as a public service announcement, also known as a PSA. Former President Trump fired. announced that he expects to be arrested on this upcoming Tuesday in connection with the Stormy Daniels payoff scandal. The former president has called for protests to take our country back. And that was a quote. If you're a fan of the ex chief executive, no. I'd advise staying away from any demonstrations. If you decide to attend one of these protests, Look no further than what happened to the January 6th protesters. You also don't want the federal government having an excuse to crack down, which would further erode our seemingly dwindling civil rights in this country. Now the conspiracy theorist in me thinks it's all just bait by the elites anyway. So do yourself a favor and sit this one out. If you want to protest, protest at the ballot booth next fall with your peaceful legal vote. Yes, it's story time. This is part one of two of a story I'm calling Straight Out of Little Compton. With all the consuming of British movies lately, it has got me reflecting on my time living over there. I lived off the military base I was assigned to for the majority of my time living in that country. Because my roommate and I were poor... We couldn't afford the inflated prices of housing near the base itself. Instead, we lived some 20 miles away. The first place we lived in was a small village called Little Compton, which is just past the city of Chipping Norton. We rented a small new construction house, and it was right off the highway that would bring you to the city of Birmingham. Next door was a petrol station owned by our landlord. The local and only pub was called the Red Lion, and of course, being young GIs, we quickly located and attended the place. At the time, we hadn't realized that a lot of public houses have two distinct sides. One side for casual visitors, the other, with a well-hidden entrance, was for the locals. One evening, while drinking within the confines of the casual visitor's side, the pub's host, a couple named Kay and Lionel, while polite, failed to advise us to Yanks of the existence of the local side, though they had ascertained from us that we too were locals. Well, as local as a New Yorker and a guy from Michigan could be. My roommate Rick was the first one of us to realize this phenomena as we waited for his beer and quickly called me over to the bar. He pointed towards an opening to the left behind the bar through which we spied a crowd seemingly enjoying themselves something Rick and I weren't in the subdued atmosphere of this parent-visitor's side of the bar. Rick said that the next time we decided to come by the Red Lion, we'd go to that side. Of course, I quickly agreed. A few days later, we made good on our word. Now, I don't know if you've seen the 1970s movie American Werewolf in London, because there's a scene in the movie where two young American tourists backpacking through rural England stumble into the local side of a pub. Before entering, they could hear people having a great time. But as soon as they do enter the premises, everything stops. The music stops, the host stops pouring drinks, and the place gets silent with everybody just staring at the two. Well, that's exactly the reception Rick and I received upon entering that place. I, having seen the movie previously, had the realization that this scene was very similar, if not exactly the same. I just hoped there were no werewolves about. After a minute, everything went back to normal. We were ignored and treated as if we didn't exist. We would stop by a few nights a week and were ignored each time. Rick brought this up to the husband and wife hosts, Kay and Lionel. Lionel told us that they'd been the host of this pub for nearly a year, and besides ordering drinks, no one spoke to them either. All four of us had a good chuckle at that. Eventually, we did manage to make a friend at the pub, but he wasn't a local. This name was Dave, and he was a member of the Birmingham chapter of the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club, and he fit the stereotypical image in your mind would conjure up of a Hells Angel. That is a huge, long-haired, barrel-chested, tough-looking guy. His story was that his mother was ill and lived far from Birmingham, where Dave resided. Once a week, he would go and visit her, and the Red Lion Pub marked the halfway point of his journey. He would stop in to use the restroom and grab a pint or two of beer before hitting the road again. We told Dave about being ignored, and he commented that he was too, but chalked that up to being an outlaw biker. Dave, as you can imagine, was a real character, but the interactions we had with him are for another story. Rick noticed that there seemed to be some kind of hierarchy to where everyone was seated. The seat of honor went to a man named Lou. It was the closest seat to the bar. I mention Lou because he would be pivotal in us finally breaking the ice with the rest of the locals. After going to the Red Line for about a month and still being very much invisible to everyone but Kay and Lionel, Rick asked Lionel why was Lou given that what seemed to be the best seat in the house. Lionel told us that Lou was one of the oldest guests of the pub and was a World War Two veteran who had seen intense combat while fighting the Germans. Upon hearing this, Rick and I bought the man a beer. Now, Lou was genuinely surprised and gave us a toast while muttering something incomprehensible, something that we would find out was a sort of trademark for him. Now, this gesture did not go unnoticed by the rest of the locals, with one of them even giving a nod of approval for our action. This marked the first time we were recognized as existing by any of them, save for Lou thanking us for the beer we bought him. Well... Next week, I'll continue with this story. Unlike the red line from the story I just told you, you acknowledge my existence just by listening. And if you listen carefully, you'll hear music. Music which signals the ending of episode 157. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you liked what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. Now remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. It's kind of windy outside and the temperature is rapidly dropping. Don't you think it's time to get off my lawn? Stay skeptical. I'm out.
0: See you.